So uh, glad to have everybody here this morning. I wanted to mention to you that uh, uh, James Chavez from Centerpoint Church is here. James is the executive pastor at Centerpoint and uh, has been intimately and directly involved with a lot that we're working on uh, with our progress going forward. So, uh, James, we're glad that you came to visit with us this morning. Thank you for coming. Um, he looks pretty good in a black mask. He's even better without it. But uh, uh, we continue to move forward with uh, those plans. And as I've mentioned to you before, continue to be praying for the meeting we've got on October the 27th uh, with the plans that we have going forward to officially leave the RCA and join the Christian Missionary Alliance. So... Um, this morning, I'm just going to look at one particular passage of Scripture, but before we look at that passage together, I want to remind you of a story that's in the Old Testament, and if any of you grew up in Sunday school, it's probably a story that you heard. Uh, I either heard this story or the story of Noah uh, repeatedly through the fifth grade when I was in Sunday school, and it, it's a story that is, it's a great story because it's the one that comes at the end of the, the time that the Israelites spend 40 years in the wilderness, and finally they have the opportunity to, to enjoy the promise that was made to them that they would enter into the promised land, and that they would enter into this place of a land flowing with milk and honey, and they would experience their full, complete deliverance of being set free from uh, what they left when they left the Egyptians. And so we come to the story of Joshua. Moses has passed on. Joshua is now the leader. And there's some great verses in chapter 1 of Joshua. Be strong and courageous, maybe one that you've memorized before. And then we come to the time that they are faced with this first city that they need to overcome. And the first city they need to overcome is the city of Joshua. Excuse me, the city of Jericho. Wrong J. And so the first city they need to overcome is, is surrounded by a wall. And I want you to think with me this morning about that wall as a wall that represents a stronghold. It was literally a stronghold. It was wide enough that some would say that chariots could be driven around the wall for the purpose of protection to guard the city. And so God gives the people of Israel a very uh, strange instruction as to what to do. And you remember what the instructions were, and that was that they were to walk around the city seven times, and they were to blow their trumpets loud, and there were several other details involved. And as they did that, in full, complete obedience, God, through their participation and their surrender, him, surrender to him, tore down the stronghold. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down as Joshua fought that battle with the people of Israel. And so this morning, I want us to think about the walls that are represented in our lives, personally, and the walls that are represented in our culture. How many of you know that there are a few strongholds that exist in our culture? Two of you know. I'm sure the rest of you know that too. And if, if you don't know that, just spend a little bit of time watching the news and you can figure out there's plenty of strongholds. But there's strongholds in our neighborhoods. There's strongholds in our schools. There's strongholds in our workplaces. And we need to be thinking about those and knowing how to deal with those strongholds and tear them down. But 
we have to make sure that we're very effective that we're in, in the midst of tearing down strongholds in our own life. Because if we go to try to tear down strongholds in the culture without making sure the strongholds that exist in our life are taken care of, we are going to have our rear ends kicked and we will fail in the efforts that God has called us to. So I want us to look at this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Some of you may have it memorized, verses 3 through 6. And uh, we're going to look at this and we're going to break it down piece by piece in just a few moments. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now we're going to go through this passage bit by bit, but before we do that, I want you to listen to the same passage from the paraphrase the message. And it says this, The world is unprincipled. (laughs) It's dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. We never have, and we never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ, into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Before I read the last part of this, I want you to picture this. As we talk about tearing down strongholds, Hopefully what happens is we leave a heap of rubble. But we don't leave the heap of rubble just to sit there. We now use the heap of rubble that the enemy meant for evil. And as the scripture says, the Lord always turns to good. And the good that he accomplishes in our efforts to tear down the strongholds is he takes that heap of rubble, sometimes the very heap of rubble in our own lives, and he helps us to shape it to shape it in something that fits the shape that Jesus has destined and designed for our life. And that's really good news. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Now I wonder this morning if there are obstructions in your life, if there are strongholds in your life that you'd like to have torn down. And I think all of us have something that we wrestle with, probably more than just one thing, probably several things. And hopefully we'll be reminded and we'll be more equipped this morning when we get done in terms of the need for us to take care of those strongholds in our personal life so that we are, we are equipped, more equipped to do battle in the mission field that we have that for us is called Long Island. One of the, one, the, the main mission of Centerpoint Church is to give multiple people multiple opportunities to hear about Jesus. How many of you realize 
that there are strongholds in every nook and cranny of this island. We know that's true but the, because the statistics are that still 3% of Long Island has some kind of relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we still have strongholds that need to be torn down and God still needs an army of people that are willing to take care of their own strongholds so, so they can effectively help other people. And that's us. It's all of us. So let's go back to this passage. And I'm going to have Stephanie leave it up on the screen so we can take it bit by bit. Verse 3 says, talks about our walk. For, for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. It's talking about our normal walk of life, just the normal routine that we go through. But I want to remind you of something that we've talked about the last few weeks. If you remember the chart that I put up the last couple of weeks that talks about our place of authority, you and I are functioning, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are functioning from a position of authority where we are just below the Father or just below Jesus, seated in heavenly places, really next to Jesus, with the authority over all the demonic activity that's going on around us. And we know that we fight a battle that's a spiritual battle. Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter 6. But we don't fight the battle from here through the enemy's tactics, but we fight the battle from a perspective of seated, being seated in heavenly places. And so our walk of life is one in which we're walking in the flesh, but the scripture makes it clear that we're also walking in the spirit. So that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about walking in the spirit and recognizing that we are f walking from a different realm. We're not so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, but we are walking from a heavenly position. In verse 4, Paul says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. The word that's used for power is the word dunamis. It's the same word from which we get the word dynamite. It's the same word that's used in Acts 1.8 when the disciples are told to wait for the Holy Spirit and you will receive power. So in this walk, we're not unequipped. God's not expecting us to do it in our own flesh. Good thing. I mean, all of us know what it's been like when we try to tear down strongholds in our own flesh. We have heaps of rubble that are still there that God wants to help us take care of. But the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but they have a divine power, a divine enablement that's supernatural, that's beyond our ability. In fact, the good news about this passage is any of the strongholds that we have that look insurmountable, like the stronghold of the wall around the city of Jericho, it may look insurmountable, but when we, when we endeavor to tear down that stronghold with the power of God, God's power, he can tear down anything in our life. We don't have to do it in our own strength. It's like the story of Nehemiah where we have a tool in one hand and a spiritual weapon in the other and we consider the purpose. It's the strength to endure even the greatest trial with fortitude and patience. And I happen to know that most of you in this room, if not all of you, have faced some significant trials or I would call strongholds, trials slash strongholds in your life. And as you look back, and if you were writing an autobiography of your life, most of you would be able to say, I could not have made it through that time 
if it hadn't been for the power of God. And so we're reminding ourselves this morning that no matter what it is, we need that power to go forward. So Paul gives us an assignment, verses 4 and 5. The assignment is to destroy strongholds, to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raises its ugly head against the knowledge of God and then to take all the thoughts that we have, all the thoughts that are out there, and make every thought captive to obey Christ. We're to destroy strongholds that inhibit the ways of freedom made available by God and causes us to rely on something more than we rely on God, which technically is called an idol. And to destroy is to pull down and demolish it and leave it in a heap in order to allow us to have something to reshape into the mold that Jesus has for us. A stronghold, by definition, is anything on which someone relies instead or in place of God. It's an influence. Sometimes it can be controlled by the demonic. Sometimes it's just controlled by our own silly way of doing things, our own lack of wisdom, our own ignorance and inability to see things the way God wants us to see them. Strongholds sometimes are thoughts and imaginations. It's a, a stronghold may have kept some of you awake last night. It's the kind of thing that comes in the middle of the night when you wake up and you can't go to sleep because your mind just starts racing and racing. And you start getting anxious about things. It always cracks me up how many things I think I can fix at 3 in the morning. It's a reasoning that's hostile to Christian faith. And it's, it's something that's not just questioning the existence of God, but it's anything that questions his promises. It's questions about the fact that he is good. That's why it's good for us on a regular basis to declare things like he is good all the time. And all the time he is good. We need to remind ourselves of that constantly so that we have something that helps us to see that when there's a stronghold in front of us, we don't let that stronghold become what gives us a perspective that controls how we're going to deal with the situation in life. It's anything that questions that in him everything is possible. It's something that questions that in him everything is settled. And thinking about a problem without hope of a redemptive solution is the example of being held down by a stronghold. It can be a person or a situation that I have issues with. And if I'm not careful to remove myself from a stronghold, then I'm removing myself from the privilege and the possibility of being part of a redemptive, a redemptive solution. And I'll end up missing my assignment to bring the kingdom into an atmosphere. Now let me give you some specifics about strongholds. And one of the things that's interesting about strongholds is sometimes we give dysfunctions a virtuous name and then we just pretend like we're supposed to live with those virtues. But let me tell you, these are strongholds that are not virtuous. They may be part of who we are, they may be part of our character, but, but if, they, if they're antithetical to what God has planned for in our life, if they're antithetical to understanding that God is good and can set us free, 
then they're not virtuous and they are strongholds that may be t- need to be torn down. So there's types of strongholds that Paul describes, especially in Galatians chapter 5. Hostility. Someone that's real argumentative all the time. Fits of anger. Inferiority. Questions of identity and calling. Wondering if you're ever going to amount to anything. Manipulation. Manipulating relationships to try to get them to work out to your way of thinking. Anorexia and bulimia, eating disorders, any kind of disorders like that are forms of strongholds. Idolatry, sorcery, disobedience to, to authority. You think we've seen that stronghold in our culture? Kathy and I grew up in the 60s generation. Sorry, Kath, I just had to. Sadly enough, we are bearing the fruit of the seeds that were planted. Back in my generation, there were bumper stickers that people put on their cars. Question authority. So guess what we're bearing the fruit of now? We're bearing the fruit of a stronghold that the church retreated from and did not tear down. And sadly enough, it existed in the church as much as it's existed in the culture. And Paul, let me summarize these strongholds in Galatians 5 with these four areas. There's sexual sin. There's religious sin. There's societal sin where we are trying to outdo each other. And then there's sins of excess, which are things that are out of control and addictions that we just can't get a grip of and we can't get a hold of. Someone has said that if we are not able to, if we're not able to take authority over our thoughts, then we will not be able to take authority over the spiritual realm that's trying to influence us. And tearing down strongholds and taking every thought captive is possible when we believe for the impossible, when we confront things that are out of order and we stand for what the Father is like. The arguments that Paul's talking about are imaginations that are outside of God's reality. They're not part of his plan. And if they don't fit into the shape of his plan, they're vain arguments, and the bottom line is they're rooted in pride. And there's not one of us that can declare that we're an exception to the rule. All of us have strongholds that exist on our walk. And those strongholds are rooted in pride. We all battle the issue of pride that says, let me do it. Those are some of the first words that came out of our mouth. BJ and Emily, sorry, it's going to be some of the first words that come out of your daughter's mouth. Let me do it. Let me do it. And how many times do we grow spiritually and the Lord reminds us, I can do this better than you can. And what do we say? Let me do it. And the counter or the antidote antidote to a stronghold is obedience. It's, It's submitting to the counsel and the way of Christ. It's letting our thought patterns be transformed until we see a situation through the eyes of Jesus. And it's, it's realizing that he's helping us to be aware of where we have fallen for the lie that somehow we're supposed to be the authority 
rather than under his authority. Paul says we need to be ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. How do you know your obedience is complete? It's when you have destroyed or torn down every aspect of disobedience in your life. And being ready is being prepared for any atmosphere. And being equipped is being able to discern the atmosphere. doesn't matter if it's at the doctor's office. It doesn't matter if it's at the restaurant. doesn't matter if it's at the church. doesn't matter if it's at the university. doesn't matter if it's at the x-ray lab. It doesn't matter if it's in the school. When you break down stronghold in your own personal life, you can go into those situations and discern the atmosphere and know how to help the atmosphere change so that God is releasing his favor over the atmosphere. And so our strategy in this battle, in order for us to win, first of all, we need to have God-breathed wisdom. Wisdom that gives us the ability to bring down an insurmountable object that trusts something other than God. And we need to take every, thoughts cap, every thought captive, recognizing and remembering what Paul says in 2 Corinthians earlier in chapter 3 and chapter 4, that Satan is responsible for spiritual hardness and blindness. Now that's supposed to be past tense. When we had spiritual hardness of heart and we had spiritual blindness and we didn't realize why we didn't know God. But I think all of us know that somehow or another, somehow or another, spiritual hardness of heart and spiritual blindness somehow has a way of rearing its ugly head in our lives. Isn't that true? Aren't there times where you just, I don't feel like praying. The Bible doesn't make any sense to me. I don't want to talk to that Christian brother or sister. Tell her, tell her I'll call her back. Because there's something that grows in us, a hardness that we have to fight against, which is a form of a stronghold. And it's a strategy of the enemy to get us to slip into that mode of thinking. And the way we counter those lies is we learn to turn our affection toward God, towards God's presence. I've been trying to do something, everybody. A pastor friend of mine repeats this all of the time. And I have to say, I'm running about 75% right now. Every night when I go to sleep, right before I go to sleep, I lay there. I kiss my wife goodnight, tell her I love her. And then I lay there and I, and I start consciously thinking about God. And I say, Lord, as I go to sleep, I, I want my affections to be turned towards you. So that when I wake up in the morning, my focus is on you. And then he wants me to sleep. So I'm not going to turn that time into a prayer meeting. It's not like an all-night prayer time. The purpose is for me to turn my affections so that the last act of my day, when he begins work, because, you know, the Scripture says, you know, there was night and day, and that was the first day. So I'm going to sleep, and God's starting work. So I turn my affections toward him so that he can work on those strongholds in my life. 
So you can check with me. I give you permission. I'm running about 75%, so hopefully it's better than that next week. We also need to become more familiar with the Word of God because if Satan can place a thought in your mind, and we know he can, it isn't much more of a trick for him to make you think it was your idea. And his strategy, as Jesus made very clear, comes out, a, out of his DNA, which is he's the father of lies. It's his, his primary weapon. And that's why Jesus made it so clear to us that way, the way we counter that is we know the truth, and the truth is what sets us free. That's why Jesus prayed for the disciples in John 17. Sanctify them with your truth. Set them, set them apart because your word is truth. They're going to need it to counter the lies. We've heard this one before. I know, James, you probably heard it when you first moved to Long Island a few years ago. We did. How many of you have heard the phrase, Long Island is a preacher's graveyard? Anybody ever heard that phrase before? That's a lie. I mean, there are preachers that have suffered and bled and died, but that is a, that, that is a lie that the enemy has implanted on this island, and it's a stronghold. It's a stronghold. And with the help of God, we're, we're participating in, in driving back that stronghold. Right? We're participating in driving that, back that stronghold. How much longer do we want to live with that being a reality? It's a lie, but it's a lie that's become a reality because people buy into it. And we have a responsibility to press back. So what's our part in the battle? And I'm going to wrap things up with this. We need to learn the tactics of the enemy. His primary goal is deception. And so we need to learn to discern in the spiritual realm where deception is taking place. So here's what I want to encourage everybody to do practically this week. First, start in your own heart and say, Lord, is there anything there that represents a spirit of pride that could, be, that could develop into a stronghold that needs to be torn down. And then the next thing I want you to do is look at your own families. Is there anything we've allowed to creep into our home by things we watch, by things we talk about, by the attitude that we have? You know, we try to challenge each other. Kathy and I try to challenge each other because it's so easy to get critical of situations to watch the news and say, what about this and what about that? And, and we counterbalance each other. Sometimes, sometimes uh, Kathy's way better at it than I am, but, but sometimes it's like, Kath, we need to stop talking about that. And she'll say to me, Doyle, you know, you realize what you're doing. It's like we need, to, we need to do that and discern that in our lives, on our families, because they're, they're building strongholds that are going to tear us down rather than us tearing down the works of the enemy. And then we need to go into our workplaces. John, when you go into the restaurant later today, look at your employees and, and just look around the restaurant and pay attention and say, Lord, where is it that I can participate? Not because you're trying to be vengeful or anything, but because you get to participate in tearing down a stronghold. And you get to enjoy the experience of what you've shared with me before when you have those situations where a customer comes in and they tell you that 
coming into your restaurant is such a great experience for them. Why? Because the stronghold's torn down. And they, experience the, they get to experience the grace and favor of God that he's manifesting through your life. That's what happens when we allow this to work practically. And so we discern those areas. And we do it by being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we prepare our minds for action. And we take every thought obedient into obedience into Christ's mold, who was, according to Hebrews, the exact representation of the Father, who always did what the Father was doing, always said what the Father was saying. And we turn to God, and we turn to his wisdom that comes with a peace that passes all understanding, that guards our heart, even when there's strongholds like anxiety trying to build up, and builds and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then what we do is we build different strongholds. Instead of, instead of breeding gospel, we speak favor. Instead of having an attitude of punishment, I'm going to get that guy. We speak grace and we look for the gold in that person rather than the dirt that's there. And we start building strongholds and people go, that looks way different than the stronghold that used to exist before. This is something brand new because it's bringing attention to God and his glory rather than bringing attention to the enemy and his lies. The scripture says that Jesus, that the Father, God, is the glory and the lifter of our head. And every one of you have this ability. It's just like when, when your kids were little and they did something and they got in trouble. And what do they do when they get in trouble? And you say, what did you do? Nothing. And what do you do when you want to reconnect with them and help them overcome their failure? You lift their head and you say, look at my eyes. We can fix what you did. I love you. And you're forgiven. And so we have the opportunity to do that for people all around us that need the love of the Father because in their identity they're walking around and saying, I'm too screwed up. And we say, but I know somebody that can help you be set free. We build different strongholds and then we learn to exercise gratitude, forgiveness, and develop endurance. Let me leave you with this. This is how we reach the promised land. This is how we reach the land of fulfillment. Everybody take a moment. And I want you to think of three things that you're grateful for. Ready? Go. Think. You've got ten more seconds. We should be able to come up with three things just like that. And within 30 seconds, we should be able to come up with 10 or 20. So we practice gratitude. And we also practice forgiveness. We keep short accounts with one another. We keep short accounts on our family. If we mess up, we say, I messed up, please forgive me. We take care of it quickly. And then we encourage each other to stay in the fight. Because you and I all know this is a hard, hard journey. And we need one another to encourage each other to endure to the end of the battle so we enter the promised land of what God has for us.
together. Sound all right with you? Sounds all right with me. Let's stand together. Lord, I just want to release over everybody this morning an increased ability to overcome any stronghold in their life, any stronghold in their family, any stronghold in their workplace. And certainly, Lord, would you use us as a church to tear down the strongholds in this unprincipled culture we live so that we can see your freedom spreading across the earth and your glory shed across the land. We ask in your name. Amen.